0: One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hi,
1: One of Us fans. This is Matt from the Nighthawks Podcast.
0: And I'm Trevor of the Nighthawks
1: Podcast. You may remember our ASMR-appropriate butterscotch baritone voices from several episodes of Screener Squad. And we're here to tell you about the Nighthawks Podcast, where you can also find us getting even more granular with the movies. You say it's called the Nighthawks Podcast? The Nighthawks Podcast. The very same... Nighthawks Podcast that covers new movies, old movies, mainstream blockbusters, and cult classics from days gone by. The Nighthawks Podcast. That's available on Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, and other fine
2: podcatchers.
1: The Nighthawks Podcast is also available at nighthawkspodcast.com. you like how we keep saying Nighthawks Podcast? Nighthawks Podcast.
0: We've all lived long enough that we've had someone who was close to us, who has passed away beyond the the mortal ken. There's points you would do almost anything to get them back. So if I found someone who said, Hey, I can do that for you. I can tell you how to bring back your dead loved one. You wouldn't think there was just, like, three instructions, right? You'd think it'd be a little more complicated. you be like, well, I have to delve in some of the ancient temple of Atlantis and find some, like, glowing gem that's protected by traps, or maybe I have to, like, spend a year in contemplation and meditation while covering myself with goat's blood. No. See, in An Unquiet Grave... Basically, they got the resurrection spells near as so I can tell off the back of a cereal box. It's pretty straightforward. This is the movie we're reviewing. Shudders and Unquiet Grave, a decidedly COVID-time filmed movie, as it's two actors, three characters. <laughs> Wait for it. And, uh, and it's pretty much a conversation about bringing someone back from the dead, bringing someone back to the dead, and then the fallout after that. Very low budget, as you might suspect. Directed by Terrence Cray, who wrote it with the lead actress, Christine Nyland. Uh, The other actor here is Jacob A. Ware. The two of those actors and this director worked before on a show called Graves. This is not their first time working together. I think it's their first feature together, as far as I can tell. So it's the one-year anniversary of Jamie, Jacob Ware's wife. She died in a car accident, and he has gotten together with her twin sister. Yes, which will be relevant. (laughs) Christine Nyland. Because he insists that this guy who we never meet, we just he talks to him on the phone, has given him a ritual that they can bring her back to life. Uh, Unfortunately, he hasn't told her the entire plan. Because they have to go to exactly where the body, where she died, which was she was thrown from the car out into the woods. They perform the ritual, some weird shit happens, and the next thing you know, uh uh-oh, it looks like the fine print that Ava, the twin sister, didn't read is that... His wife is not going to come back in terms of like, oh, look, there she is, and now you're both here. No, see, the deal is she comes back to life by taking over the body of her twin sister twin sister didn't know this whether or not she would have said yes if asked is admittedly a question (laughs) but she's kind of pissed off about it and kind of confused she's been dead for a year and there's a lot of shit going on psychologically not much going on in terms of actions in the film but you know what i'm not the only one who saw this thing let's see who else i'm talking with about an unquiet grave i've got ray hello bradley Hello. (laughs) Spooky. Brad's already dead because he had the world's largest sandwich this weekend, apparently. And Robert, a.k.a. Bob. Hello, everybody. It's definitely one of those movies that if you're someone who has yourself made very low budget movies, I could certainly see some degree of admiration for what they managed to put together here. If you are not specifically one of those people who has put together little indie films on a micro budget,
3: I'm just going to say this probably isn't for you. I'm going to say even if you have put Things together, you know, on a micro budget. It's an indie because I have seen micro budget indies that are better than this. I'm, I'm sorry. I, phew, I'm, I'm going to be one of those people that did not like this film.
0: Well, there's not much going on to like other than on the most simple level. Neither one of the actors are bad. The actress, Christine, is, is certainly kind of a standout in her performance. She does a really good job. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's terribly directed either. They do a lot with what little they have to work with. I mean, even the few latex effects that come in later in the film are, they don't look bad at all. But I think the problem is that the script sets up what is, you know, it's a two-hander half-hour anthology horror show episode and drags it out for an hour and 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then has no idea what to do with it at the end. You get all this and it's a very character-based, not a very plot-based story. And it just kind of fizzles out completely on that level.
1: Well, From a storytelling perspective, I am not a writer. So anyone who's enjoyed this can be like, screw you, man. You're not a writer. You don't know. But it doesn't <laughs> seem like this project has a thesis statement. Like, oh, grief, man. Yeah, it sucks. And then it stops. Like, it does suck. What, what do you have to say about it on a deep connective tissue type of level? Where are you going with grief that'll make me feel this story? And the answer is, I oh, don't know. It just kind of sucks, huh?
0: For a film that's so character-based, the fact that it doesn't take advantage of any of the interesting places you'd think they would go in discussion. So, what was your experience like being dead? <laughs> you know, that might be an interesting thing to get into at some level. Or there's stuff that happens at the end that gets very abstract and doesn't really answer any questions. It opens up a bunch of them. But you'd think it offers the opportunity to tie in a lot of these character moments that have been happening into why we're seeing what we're seeing, but it just doesn't. It's like, oh yeah, we forgot. There is somewhat of a plot here. So let's just wrap it up and don't feel like anything's been resolved with the characters whatsoever.
3: Yeah, and that's what I was waiting for was I was waiting for the better dialogue or I was waiting for the more in-depth scenes between the characters. What we got to stretch this, what you said, you know, was a 30 to, you know, maybe 45 minute television episode into more than that was we got these really extended shots of, oh, we're going to dig in the dirt. Well, that's great. You're digging in the dirt. We get you're digging in the dirt. You don't have to dig in the dirt for three solid minutes, you know, (laughs) but it was like, it seemed like they're padding and of course then we get the world's longest car ride and (laughs) wow. There was just other things that were there, I think, that they could have used if they wanted to make this longer than a short or longer than a television episode, that they missed the opportunity. And when they went, oh, God, we got to make this longer, you know, and they padded it with stuff that was unnecessary. One of the things
2: for me is like, we talked about all the plot that Chris doled out at the beginning. Like, not only is that in the trailer, but it's in less than the first third of the movie. So it's a neat premise. Like, when I heard that that's what it was, I thought the whole movie was going to be some more drawn out thing, but no, that's, you know, our impetus. And then what we get dumped into, there's no big dialogue sequences. One of the things that kind of bummed me out about the husband's character is while he's good and doing what he's doing, it's one note. We pick up a year later. Of course, he's in a horrible state. He's turned to witchcraft or, you know, whatever it is, is going here. (laughs) And he's obviously deceiving the sister. And then he gets a little broken up about being caught doing that later in the film, But we don't get to see them ahead of time. There's no investment in the relationship that all of this wildness should be carrying us through. And so when we get to the middle, like Ray saying, I think kind of like what Bradley saying was too. you know, what did they have to say about grief and all that? It seems like it starts to switch gears into these longer shots. I don't really think there's a slow zoom that I can think of, but this more contemplative stuff. But that doesn't work at the second half of the film, because what is it based on? The husband just straight up lost his wife and lied to the sister, kind of committing supernatural murder to get her back. And, you know, the sister's broken up when she got back. But that's almost all that happened.
0: And then the movie starts just throwing out some random stuff that's not scary. I think it thinks it's scary. Like the sister's gravestone appears in the backyard and they're like, that's peculiar. (laughs) <laughs> like, wait what there's stuff like that and the movie doesn't even faint at Trying to explain how this ties into anything else. I mean, clearly something is upset on a supernatural level, but what is that? At least some insinuation that there is a something. What is it? God? It's never clear, and you don't care that much. They treat the supernatural stuff in here like the Americans are with the metric system, as Eddie Izzard said. You're just like, Ugh, don't. Okay, no, that's enough. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I'll just stick with pounds. If witchcraft is to being an Eagle Scout, this movie's magic is to being a weeblow. It's just silly and. childish and not much thought was put into that supernatural level, which I wouldn't have cared if these characters had somewhere to go. They got a premise and that's all they got. They kind of fumble about for the whole second half of the film.
1: Oh, I got to get my wife back. I'm so sad. Don't you miss your sister? And then he kind of seems like he's guilting her at the beginning for not missing her as much as he is. They're having a dick measuring contest about grief, I guess. So I'm thinking, (laughs) oh, here we go. What does this sister know about either of them that they want to go away or kind of manipulate? What's the true mystery behind this tragic accident that we heard about. There isn't one. Accidents happen, and we feel bad. And feeling bad sucks, right? Don't you wish that you didn't feel sad about that loss anymore? Right? I don't know why I kept thinking it was going to go somewhere, not necessarily deeper, because a spooky, tragic murder beneath the the surface of something is also a cliche. So I'm not saying it had to go there, but it is the big reveal, so...
2: The one trope that I thought we were going to get, I was glad we didn't get, is usually if it's bringing back the loved one, especially if it's a car accident, it's a guilt thing. Like, I have to turn right to these things because I have to absolve what I did. And we didn't get that. And that is a good thing. Yeah. We didn't get anything instead. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. He just wanted True. her back.
0: There was only one moment in this whole thing where I was like, okay, that was a neat idea. Why aren't there more of those in here where the sister can't stop? picking at the bandage where part of the ritual was blood involved where she has a cut and it's like, why do you keep picking at that? It's like, because my skin. it, It feels like it's trapping me. Like it's holding me in, which is like an interesting visual idea thinking about that. Like, oh, wow. If you were in that situation, but that's about as deep as this film ever gets into thinking about it. And there's a point, you know, cause it's so talky for the first like 20, 30 minutes of it that I thought, and after this happens, it's probably going to be more of a continue on in that thing, you know, like my resurrection with Andre or something. <laughs> that would have been kind of cool, actually, where you're like talking about yeah. all the implications and discussion, but it just doesn't know where to go. We're not going to dig on this forever. I mean, there's not a lot to say past what we've already said. So we're just going to go to final thoughts and we're going to let Ray get us started.
3: I don't have a lot good to say about this. This was not a movie that I like. And you're right. In the second act, I either wanted them to get very, very philosophical about this Or I wanted, you know, that first talkie act to go into the second act that had a lot more action or a lot more gore or a lot more spooky something and it just kind of laid there unfortunately kind of like the performance uh, unfortunately the male lead you know his performance is flat and uh, and I think that's partially his fault but I think it's partially the screenwriter and director's fault the fact that they just didn't give him much to do and that's kind of the whole movie they don't get much to do that doesn't give us much to watch <laughs> mm-hmm. so I can say that you know maybe this was yet another episode of the web series that they did and, and he wanted to expand on that but it doesn't expand on anything it just kind of lays there and that's really the thing i could say about this movie is it just kind of lays there like a dead body unfortunately (laughs) um i'm gonna have to give this film a three and a half out of ten cigarettes that aren't my brand bradley
1: i always like the characters in these that try to talk the person out of it and we didn't get that and that's my fault that's a personal nitpick Like, I was hoping maybe the person on the other end would be like, maybe you should stop reading the back of that cereal box. Sometimes dead is better. You don't (laughs) want to go down that road, especially with no twin sister. Twins are hot, but they ain't meant for us to meddle with in God's forest or, you know. I did enjoy her performance. Because I think it's cool when actors get to noticeably play two separate characters. Like, her twin, they seemed like twins. I do hate when... TV movies are like, what? How can you tell twins apart? (sighs) Like anybody who's actually met twins can tell them apart within like a week because they are two different people. And I I at least like to think that human beings don't recognize each other by their features, but by their personalities. Like I knew a twin that would be like, what the fuck do you want? Whenever I'd see him because I was an awkward kid. The other twin didn't say that. So hence I could tell them apart. (laughs) But him being like, you smell like an (laughs) ashtray. Like, really? That's mean. That's rude. I didn't care for that line. But I guess it tied into the story there was a big reveal at the end at least it was shot like there was a big reveal but i didn't understand it i do feel like a lot of this is on me just being like what what's trying to be said here what's going on about twin witchcraft and i hate that everyone always blames the witches i don't think they say witchcraft in the movie that's on us also i'm just gonna give this three traumatic stories about what your dad says when your twin sister dies out of tent bob
2: The more I think about the film, the stuff that was there, I thought was fine. But I think what the problem was is for that runtime and that amount of narrative, there's a lot of things that didn't happen. If the four people in our review right now, if you're listening, if one of the four of us died and a year later, one of us brought the other one back in one of the rest of ours bodies. I promise you we would have a really long discussion about why you killed the other one to bring (laughs) me back. And that's just not in this film. Like... It's a realization, but, like, that was an act. Like, that was a whole big piece of movie that we could have got. And my other thing with the supernatural part, or, you know, we kind of nodded to witchcraft there, is because I'm a big fan of ambivalence in horror movies. I love not seeing the monster and modern stuff, or not getting deep into the lore. The first time he has to make a phone call to talk to this guy that's setting it up, you know, cool. But then they hinge their end off whatever this ritual stuff is going on. And they didn't clue us in on what to think about that. So my thing is more that this is a problem of omission for me. I I think what's there is cool, but it is not connected enough for a bigger story. So I'm going to go four and a half out of ten reasons to please get cremated, everybody. They can't bring you back if you're ashes. If they can, I haven't seen that movie yet.
0: So, it's clear that Christine Nyland and Terrence Cray, who wrote this, know how to write decent enough dialogue. I never felt like I was taken out of this film because the dialogue was bad. In fact, like I said, the first... 30-some-odd minutes are just nonstop dialogue between the two these two characters, and it's not terrible. Um I didn't think that male actor Jacob was quite as flat as you did, but he was certainly... She, she just outshined him because she got to play two very different characters. That's the problem. You can write great dialogue. Why didn't you continue to use that skill in the second half of your movie when you obviously don't know how to write this kind of story, <laughs> this kind of plot? It's not a complex story, but it is set up to be more of a conversational dialogue-based film, and you just abandon all of that. For, I'd say, cheap gimmick scares, except I don't even know if they qualify as that. Like, they're supposed to be kind of abstract and creepy in that way, but... There's just not enough there. I think this falls under the example of just cause you can make a movie doesn't mean you should, you know, and I see a lot of those doing this of like, Oh, we got the budget. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just knock it out. Let's shoot it. So we got it under our belt. This felt like one of those. Let's get a movie under our belt any way we can during this period. And sometimes you just shouldn't. Uh, I'm going to give this two out of 10 ways that I definitely wouldn't want to get twins in bed together. <laughs> You know, I was laughing, though. I just saw this. So the actress who played Stifler's mom in American Pie, I'm blanking on the actress's name. You know, you know who I'm talking about, right? It's where the term MILF came from. Right. She recently admitted when she was in college, she pretended she was twins so she could have two boyfriends.
1: (laughs) That's just good origin actor story right there. Hey,
2: that might have been a cool act two reveal when the wife woke up in the other one's body and was like, oh, this is the best of both worlds. (laughs) Nice.